we created software as a service platform over 10 years ago before SaaS was even a thing. If you can imagine two circles, where one is what you want to talk about and the other is what people are interested in, where they, where they intersect is your magic slice. And it's your magic slice of attention. Um, and it's that magic place where the attention of your audience is completely aligned with, you, with your intention. Um, their, their attention and your intention are matched. How do you know that you're really achieving the objectives of your brand? If you put stories at the heart of it, um, how can you consistently do that to resonate with people and get a result? Hi there, this is Andre and you are on the Marketing Innovation Podcast Show. Our special guest today is Jack Murray, who is the CEO of Media HQ, a SaaS press release distribution platform that provides media contacts to marketers and media professionals. But not only, he has also released his debut business book, The Magic Slice, How to Master the Art of Storytelling for Business, which has become an Amazon bestseller in three categories in its first week from release. And today we discuss modern PR as well as the science behind storytelling in marketing. Jack, welcome to the show. Congrats for the book release. How are you? How's the energy on your front? It's really good today, Andre. I'm in about in a, the minute we finish recording. Um, where, where I'm sitting right now is beside the Atlantic Ocean, and the, it, it's very cold. But the minute we finish recording, I'm getting into the ocean for a swim. So I'm very looking forward to our discussion. But I'm also very looking forward to that. Crazy, like how cold is it right there? Because I think it's like below zero degrees. Well, the, yeah, the water is probably about seven degrees. So, yeah, I have a lot of hot water in the tank. So I'll be having a bath when I get back up. But uh, I, it's it, like, look, the, you know, it's great to feel alive. And when you go into the ocean and the waves are crashing. So the high tide is in about 20 minutes and uh, the waves will be crashing over me. So I'm really looking forward to that. Crazy, man. OK, nice. Um, thank you for being on the show today. Uh, we, all, we already found out an interesting fact about you. Looking forward to, uh, you know, picking your brains on PR and storytelling and everything that we just mentioned here briefly in the intro, because you have a wealth of experience. Uh, you know, you've been in the industry for over 15 years. Uh, you've been an entrepreneur for forever, really. So from the beginning of your career. Um, and, uh, you know, as we briefly discussed before the call, uh, your family has been in this has been having this background as well. So really looking forward to hearing your thoughts, hearing your story, as well as um, discuss trends and uh, maybe tips and tricks that our audience can take away after this episode. Um, first of all, um, I will let you tell us a bit more about you, like uh, who is Jack, what's your story, what's your background, uh, maybe a bit about the book, a bit about the company as well, as much as you'd like to share at this point. Yes, Andre. So I would describe myself as um, a marketeer, um, an entrepreneur um, and a storyteller. And as long as I can remember, my family has been involved in business. And if I was to share with the audience the spark that got me involved in, uh, in business and in storytelling, it's a story that my father used to tell us when we were small. And I have uh, an older sister and a younger brother. And Ireland was very poor in the 1880s. And my great grandfather was one of nine children and they had a very small farm in the west of Ireland. And back then, um, the British ruling class would have had landlords that would have had small peasant farmers. And my family was um, they had a small farm holding and um, somebody had to do something because they were going to get evicted off the land. And 
the chosen son was my great grandfather. And at 29 years of age, he left Ireland on a boat for New York. And um, he arrived into Castle Gardens in New York. And anyone who's seen that movie, Gangs in New York, um, it was that era. So like if the disease and the cholera and all of that didn't get you, um, the gangs might have got you. And we don't really know what he got up to, but he was massively successful. And he got a business idea in America for a general store. And he came back to our hometown and um, in 1886, he started this business and kind of bought a whole lot of property and started a milling business and um, started a, um, a shop and a general merchants. And that business is still run to this day by my brother and my mother. And I suppose it was that story that got me engaged in um, storytelling. I studied product I studied product marketing um, in university. I went to work first in a shoe company. Um, then I decided I wanted to get deeper in storytelling and I studied journalism. I worked in political communication then um, as a young man. And at 30 years of age, I went out and I started my first business. Um, I started Media HQ over 10 years ago and we quickly... I bought a business that was publishing a printed media directory um, for, for people to keep in contact with journalists. And it's, it's kind of funny how big the SaaS industry is now. I was watching somebody recently talk about the ads on the Super Bowl and how they were all SaaS dominated for the first time ever. And like we created software as a service platform over 10 years ago before SaaS was even a thing because mm -hmm. it was the best way to connect our users with um, up-to-date intelligence on journalists. Um, and MediaHQ has been a platform for well over 10 years um, and has steadily grown, has gone on an international development pathway. And simply as a product, our mission is to take, our mission is to connect our users' stories with their audiences. And that could be journalists, it could be podcasts, it could be Instagrammers. Um, and we work as, um, a place to find your audience and then to distribute your pitches, your press releases, uh, and to look at your results and your analytics uh, and to achieve your mission that way. And I suppose, you know, it was through that prism, we help loads of organizations and brands share stories on what you would call an industrial level. Um, mm -hmm. And it was through that, that this concept of the magic slice, um, which is, if you can imagine two circles, where one is what you want to talk about and the other is what people are interested in. Where they, where they intersect is your magic slice and it's your mm. magic slice of attention um, and it's that magic place where the attention of your audience is completely aligned with, you, with your intention. Um, their, their attention and your intention are matched and um, that's what I wrote my book about. And you know, in addition to running Media HQ, I have a storytelling agency and I work with brands on... How, how to find that place where the attention span of the people that they're trying to, to communicate with is perfectly aligned with what, what they want for, for those people. And um, yeah, I, lo I, love, I love marketing and um, I love the innovation space around SaaS where you can imagine something and you can build it really quickly and you can engage with your customers um, and see how they react to it. Mm -hmm. So how was like uh, launching, uh, you know, uh, basically a business in a category that was just kind of forming right then? You are, uh, you know, you are a bit of a nerdy adopter <laughs> if you are or yeah. one of the first ones to go there. Uh, what was the space um, 10, 15 years well, ago? Uh, like it's, it's really interesting in that like 
I'm not a technical, like you'll get some technical founders and um, I'm not a technical founder. I'm a marketeer. Um, I am passionate about our customers and um, I am always the first customer for our product. So I'm a native public relations person. I'm a native storyteller. My instinct is to tell stories and to connect them with audiences. So you know, in one in one regard, I build a product for myself. Um, the other thing from an early adopter point of view that I find fascinating is that we've always been a mission-driven business. So our mission is to help our users connect their story with their audience. And that's agnostic of a, a way or a means to do it. So when I bought the business, it was a book. Right now, it's software as a service. And in 10 years, I don't know what it's going to be in 10 years time, but the amazing thing about being SaaS and being mission-driven is that you find the best way to do it. And um, like, notwithstanding the fact that I'm not technical, um, I am kind of the kind of chief kind of creative innovation person in our company for new ideas, for new products, for for, for new features. Um, and it's all you know. We have a product roadmap, and we have a north star, and like we always say at the start of every development phase, like, does it achieve the mission? Does it help our users connect their story with their audience? And um, that's that's innovation and that's SaaS. And I think if you're if you're mission driven, you, you will find a way to fulfill your mission, and you won't get hung up on on one means to do it. Like if you look at newspapers as a physical object, there's a classic example of something they didn't really know for decades what business they were in. They thought they were in the newspaper business, but they weren't. They were in the news business or they were in the information business or the storytelling business. And they got hung up on, on just one way of doing it. Um, so right now, how is your day looking like? I mean, you have uh, the company, you're also a keynote speaker. Uh, you also have the agency for storytelling. Um, What's your <laughs> uh, your full circle of activity at the moment? Yeah, it's funny. Like I'm, 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 I'm always fascinated with how Jack, if Jack Dorsey can run Twitter and run Stripe. I think any of us can do more than one thing. And like, look, part of my challenge on a daily basis is that I'm a trained marketeer. I'm a trained journalist. I like doing keynotes. I like talking on podcasts. I like writing books. Um, I like cycling my bike. I like jumping into the ocean. I like doing lots of things and uh, I probably have a, a short attention span. So like part of my big focus is like in my, in my weekly journey. And I, I talk a lot about this to companies about like the world post pandemic, the world is your oyster. So you can reach audiences. So, you know, we can go and we can talk to people and the cultural barriers have fallen away. So, you know, the, the, the language, the business language is English and um, everybody is just one other person on a Zoom call. So like, you know, it could be your colleague who's four streets away or it could be somebody in a, in a country that's in four time zones away. And I suppose, look, my big challenge on a weekly basis, um, I, like the, I like the way uh, software runs on two weekly sprints. Um, I, you know, we, we, we have different functions from product development to marketing to customer success. And it's about managing those tightly. And look, the only resource that we're not getting any more of is time. And uh, time is very valuable. And I think the challenge is to kind of respect that. And, uh, but also balance, like, you know, there's enough, there's enough time for swimming in the ocean and there's enough time for, for hard work. So I also think one of the big challenges kind of 
post-pandemic in the remote world is to, you know, we try and organize our week on zones. So I would say Monday is very busy. I would say Tuesday is a time for reflection. Wednesday is very busy. Thursday morning can be a time for reflection. Thursday can be busy. And then Friday evening, Friday afternoon is a time for reflection. And I do think I do think you can build a rhythm into the week where you have busy zones and you have times for reflection. And it's a good way to it's a good way to be productive as well. Mm, that's a very good tip. Um, is this something that you are applying right now to to the way that you are organizing your activity? And if so, for how long have you been doing it? Yeah, we've been doing it for over a year now. So Monday is busy. Tuesday is um is quiet. Uh, we don't schedule internal meetings on a Tuesday. Wednesday is meeting driven and busy. Thursday morning is quiet. Uh, Thursday afternoon is kind of sign off day. Traditionally, I don't like signing things off on a Friday. I'm just not, I'm not in, a, I'm, I'm kind of in decision mode on a Thursday. I'm mm-hmm. in more reflect, I'm in more reflective assessment phase on Friday. So, you know, we've a, we've a series of kind of sign-offs on product developments on a whole host of things on Thursday afternoon. And then Friday is about, you know, looking at the progress of the week, seeing what you need to do next week. And Friday afternoon is a period of, you know, making sure you finish the week strong and you, you know, you get bits and pieces done. And uh, it, it, as a rhythm, we've been doing it over a year. And, and, and like, if you design it in a way that people aren't banging into each other, Mm-hmm. They don't bang. They don't bang into each other. And uh, pe- pe- people will say, "Oh, that's really difficult to do." It, it isn't really. And uh, look, I lead the organization, so look, I know if I set if I set the tone and the tempo, the rest of them will follow. Mm-hmm. Very good insight. Okay, and uh, now going into the subject, this was very a very nice insight for you know organizing from a business perspective, and I think uh, is very nice that you noted this because in the beginning of the year, what we felt, I mean, I can say this for our organization as well, but also for the clients that we've been working with, everybody was in full-on mode, uh, sometimes stressed, uh, trying to get a lot of stuff done, but you mentioned right there reflection, which I think it's something that we should always take time to do uh, and can also inform better decisions or productivity uh, if done on a constant basis. So thank you for that. Going to the book, because uh, I had a copy and I read a big chunk of it. I'm curious, uh, and it's something that I think uh, would be worth discussing um, now, and I think it's going to be a very nice plus to the people tuning in with us today. Um, I would like us to explore the six-step magic slice process that you mentioned and, uh, you know, how to apply it where, um, you know, in terms of business and uh, where, where stories uh, you tell resonate perfectly with your audience. Yeah, so um, the stick, the six-step magic slice process is about how you can do an audit on your brand or your organization. So if there's anybody listening here now who, and look, SaaS is a very good platform for telling stories. So people do white papers, they do help docs, they do blogs, they do podcasts, they do them on video, they do them on audio. But how do you know that you're really achieving the objectives of your brand? And look, you know, everything is strategic. It's all about rolling a rock up the hill. So if you have a content strategy that's trying to achieve something for your business, if you put stories at the heart of it, um, how can you consistently do that to resonate with people and get a result? And um, so there's six steps to it. Um, And I mentioned the first one already. And the first one is mission. And 
you know, if you pull your team together and you say to them, like, why are we all here? What are we trying to achieve? People in your organization should be able to recite your mission like it's a prayer. And Media HQ's mission is to uh, connect, uh, to enable our users to connect their stories with their audience. And that's that's at the heart of absolutely everything we do. And your mission should be short. It should be specific. You should be able to own it. It shouldn't be overly technical. It should be understandable. And the first step in the process is to um is to understand the mission and like you know great brands like patagonia the ethical clothing maker um can do it really well um so when you know your mission the second step along the process is to completely define your audiences and in SaaS, we call these you know our target persona buyer persona they could be our verticals um the great marketeer seth golden describes it in who are you for who are you for so like who who what are you building and who are you building it for and you know be outrageously for who you're for and you're not going to be for everyone but be for who and and, and the audience thing is about completely profiling the people you're for i tell mm-hmm. a story in the book about my first job working for a shoe company and my boss was the marketing director and he had a stack of mag- women's magazines and um I joked with him the first day and I said, oh, you're reading women's magazines. And he said, there are customers. You will soon start reading women's magazines. He said, get on it. And uh, he said, we need to understand how they think, what they do, how they make decisions. And I'm still trying to figure out women, um, but... uh, (laughs) Uh, it's, it'll be a lifelong journey and uh, the but, but he's right like and like it doesn't matter if you're selling yachts if you're selling SaaS if you're selling bicycles if you're selling lollipops you've got to understand the audience um, mm. so when you know your mission and you know your audiences um, then um, wh- what you do is you um, you look at the topics that you're going to be talking about Um and you know to look at the topics you're going to talk about look at the trends in your industry look at your core product offering look at the knowledge base that you build around your product and synthesize you know imagine there's a folder and it says like my amazing stories what would the headings in the folder be the chapter headings and and that's what your topics are and when you have your mission your audience and your topics you can then actually say what your magic slice statement is and it's x brand you know, is um, appealing to X audience uh, uh, through writing stories about X, Y, and Z. Um, And it's only at that point, Andre, when you know your mission, you know your audiences, you know your topics, you write a statement that encompasses all that, it's only then that you actually start writing stories. Um, Mm -hmm. And you start coming up with ideas for stories that would would hook in. Um, And, like, I'll give an example. Like, um, you know, one of our magic slices um, uh, is is uh, is PR wisdom, and it's this notion of how can we share wisdom about public relations. And um, we commissioned a, a series recently uh, called "My Life in PR: This Much I Know," and we go to senior PR people who are in the vertical, and they might be working in house, or they might be working in an agency, and it's a simple questionnaire with ten questions. Uh, and they fill it out and it goes up on the blog. And the first two have been shared like 
been read thousands of times on LinkedIn. And like it's kind of a career retrospective and it's someone who's directly in the vertical and they're sharing a career retrospective and it's to that topic of PR wisdom and it's sharing wisdom with other people and it brings people into the product. Um, and the reason that we have a magic slide statement is it's to be an editor so that if you don't, and you know from running this podcast, like if you don't keep an editorial control of what you're doing, then it gets a little bit loose and then it's probably not talking to your vertical and it's not talking to your audience and it's not really about your mission. And if you do two or three episodes like that or write two or three things, it all gets a bit fuzzy and then it stops delivering. Um, and if you think about the way it's done incorrectly, someone says, oh, we need something on LinkedIn or we need a Facebook post or we need an Instagram post. And they start at the end. They don't start at the beginning. So they're not starting at what's their purpose, who are they talking to, what should they be talking about? They start with this, oh, we need something over here because it's a blank page over here. And it's, um, it, doesn't, it, it, it doesn't work. And the last step then is when you have all of that done, um, you're constantly looking at your mission and your audiences and your topics because the world doesn't stay locked in and, and it doesn't stay static. The, the elements are constantly moving around and that you revise and you edit. Um, mm -hmm. as per the as per the moving plates and the moving discs. Mm -hmm. So uh, how did you discover the, this concept of uh, magic slides? I think it was about seven years almost ago. Yeah, I, I discovered the magic slice um, in that we were about to hit a really big milestone at Media HQ. So uh, one of our users was about to share the 100,000 uh, story on the network. And oh, if you could imagine in the admin back end of Media HQ, there is a live feed of the stories as they're being shared. So every day, like there's hundreds and hundreds of stories shared and we get to see them in the office just before the journalists read them. And like, it was a big moment and we were sending out a press release ourselves. And I began to kind of look at the stream of press releases and I began to identify the people who were really good at it. And I, I began to see this commonality. So I had a bit of an epiphany kind of around that. And I suppose that kind of leads us nicely to like, we're talking about storytelling. And I, I think it's really important for the people who are watching um, and who are listening to the podcast as to say, well, why should you power your marketing or your communications with storytelling? And Andre, it is the most powerful way to communicate. If I said to you, um, I can actually give you the gift of uh, mind control and I can actually give you kind of full command on the brain power of the people you're trying to communicate with. Um, and you can actually get into their brains and control their outcomes. Would you like that? And you'd say, yeah, sure. Yeah. How do I do that? And, um, and the answer is with storytelling and it's, it's, it's ostensibly about science um, and if you could imagine, and I like this is a game I've been playing for as long as I've been a marketeer, over 20 years. Every opportunity you have to communicate with your audience is a game. And every opportunity is, an, is a game where you can influence it positively or neutrally or negatively. And storytelling is a really powerful way. And imagine you could wrap a story around anything. It could be a package. It could be arriving to your reception area it could be you know receiving something physical through the post imagine if you put a story around everything and the reason stories work is that stories trigger hormones 
and hormones influence our brain. And I tell a story in the book about this piece of research that was done in Princeton by a professor called Yuri Hassan. And he got this um, graduate student to go into an MRI machine. And she told this fantastical story about the night of her um, high school um, prom. And, it, you know, she, her boyfriend had a fight and they, you know, he got drunk and she was driving the car and she had a slight tip in the car. And it was just this full of all of these kind of, kind of mad and interesting kind of colorful story. And they played the story, they, ma- they mapped her brain waves in the MRI as she told it. And then they played the story back to 15 people. And miraculously, their brain waves listening to the story mirrored her brainwave telling the story. They were like an absolute exact match. And it shows that if you want to control the audience like a puppet on a string, a story is the way to do it. And like we're all addicted to Netflix, to Amazon, to, to Disney Plus. Any story that's a whodunit triggers dopamine. Um, mm-hmm. Anything that kind of is personal and builds trust uh, triggers oxytocin. So if I told you something personal about myself, my life, my family, my swim in the sea, it builds trust. And you think, you know, you know me on a human level and it builds oxytocin. And then if I tell you something funny and you laugh, that builds um, endorphins and that builds engagement. Dopamine um, dopamine builds focus. Oxytocin builds trust. Um, endorphins, laughing, builds engagement. And then the negative ones are cortisol and adrenaline. And if I bore you or if I stress you, um, you dial up cortisol and adrenaline. And the way to bore and stress you is to stand in front of you with bullet points or to like bore you, just literally if I bore you. And the way I can bore you is by kind of presenting bullet points or presenting dry factual information. Um, And that's what lots of brands do. Um, but once they dial up emotion and start telling stories, they start engaging people. And uh, the mad thing is that if you present with bullet points on a PowerPoint, 90% of it is forgotten within 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's not the definition of the stupid thing to do, I don't know what is. Um, yet, yet lots of people do it and lots of brands do it. And, and it's, it is the kind of, it's the reason that brands need to think, okay, how can I put out stories at the heart of everything we do, our origin story, how we communicate, how we hire, how we raise money? Like, so, for, you know, for, if we're going out looking for finance and we're looking for VC backing or, ba- you know, we, we to tell a story to an investor, um, all of it makes life easier at the heart of company. Mm-hmm. I love it that you brought up, uh, you know, you brought up the uh, sort of natural uh, chemistry in our bodies and how we relate to stories. Um, we can go into the science of storytelling here because mm. I feel that this is a lot of it. And I would like our audience when when they finish listening to the episode to have sort of like a clear understanding of how they can think about storytelling from a scientific point of view for the mm. ones out here that are more, you know, they find it easier to organize their ideas in such a way, like scientifically to understand what this is about. I uh, I think discovers part of it, but um, what other information do you think is relevant and we can uh, bring to this point? Well, it, like, it's really interesting in that let, let, let's take let's take people's addiction to uh, binge watching television, just as an example of, of science. And uh, as we speak, I'm watching um, 
a French uh, TV series called The Promise. And it's in French and it's subtitled. And it's about a, a killer who's abducting young children and there's a hunt on for them. Um, I'm just after finishing watching a German series made by German TV called Dark Woods. And that's uh, about a murder as well. And there's a reason crime works is that crime is about a whodunit. So it's about, you know, it's about a slow reveal of a story where you find out at the very end. And a slow reveal of a story um, triggers dopamine. And I'll tell you a quick story to illustrate the point scientifically. Um, and I, I use this story in some keynotes that I that I give. And a number of years ago, I gave a radio interview where I was talking a little bit like I'm talking to you today about, about storytelling and, and the impacts it can have on business. And I came back to the office and the reception rang and said, there's a woman on the phone. She just heard you on the radio. So I... I went and I answered the phone call and she said, um, I heard you on the radio. You're absolutely brilliant. I am the marketing manager for a huge corporate law firm and we need a story strategy. It's going to be a huge project. Um, can you come as soon as you can um, to, to meet us? And I thought I can come right now if you want. And she said, no, no, you can come tomorrow. So I arranged to meet her the following day and she was in this huge office, Andre, kind of big chrome steel building in the financial district in Dublin and I arrived into reception and I said I'm here to meet the head of marketing and her name was Angela and she arrived down and she was kind of very fast moving and kind of you know a bit out of breath and a bit frantic and she kind of sat me down and she said now I'm not going to this meeting three of our directors are going to this meeting and she said it's a really big contract worth a couple of hundred thousand euros and if you can convince them you're going to get the job I thought, okay, this is a bit strange, but I'm going to go with it. And um, she said, they're in that meeting room down the hallway. And uh, you go and I'll meet you afterwards. So I walked down and I looked in. It was one of those meeting rooms with two glass windows on either side. And I looked in and I could see three really serious, surly-faced men with grey suits on. I thought, oh, this is going to be terrible. And I put my hand on the door and I was just about to go in. And just as I was about to go in, I could hear kind of a noise behind me. And I turned around and I could see Angela coming towards me at speed. She said, there's just one thing that you need to know before you go in. Now, if I didn't tell you what that was, it'd be annoying, wouldn't it? Uh -huh. And uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you because that's dopamine. And when you dial up something where there's a reveal and somebody really wants to know something, that's dopamine. And what happens when you deliver a story like that? Um, people focus. They remember details. They remember all of it. You could go off this, off this podcast now and you could tell that story to that point to anyone. Next week, the week after, you'll remember all of it. And that's dopamine. And, you know, it's the same way with if you reveal something about yourself through a story, that's oxytocin. If you make somebody laugh, you tell a joke, people will remember a joke and they'll tell it because it triggered their endorphins. And that's why storytelling, that's why the science of storytelling is really important, because once you have that moment, you think, ah, oh, that's what's happening. So like the next time you're looking for a new TV series you want to watch, you're looking for a dopamine hit. Like that's what you're looking for. It's the reason gaming is huge. It's the reason people, you know, the people binge watch TV all the time. Um, it's the reason people gamble. Um, they need a dope dopamine hit, and you can you can build that into your storytelling. Very interesting. A very good example as well. 
Um, another thing that I had here in my notes, uh, and I know that you were talking about in your book, was um, finding your creative operating system. I like this parallel of, uh, you know, like with the operating system. Um, can you tell us more about this, about the subject? Yeah, so I suppose the, the net point from this is that everything comes from ideas. Mm -hmm. So, and especially in like in innovation and in marketing, and especially in, a, in an industry like SaaS, everything comes from ideas. So if everything comes from ideas, being, being like the Irish phrase, like a busy fool, like being a busy fool is not going to produce new ideas. And your creative operating system has to be like, if, if, if the, the working week in Europe is 37 and a half hours, everybody needs to dedicate 10% of that, which is, you know, three and a half hours, half a day a week to creativity. So in our company, you know, we have quiet zones, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we have Tuesday and we have Thursday morning and sometime on Friday afternoon. And, you know, it's probably to use a technical term, we over-engineer it. So we give more zones there for people to dip in and dip out of. And you tend not to, and then you have to find ways to be creative. So like post-exercise is really good. Um, I have some creative work to do this evening. I'll do it after I get out of the ocean. Um, if that cold water doesn't dial up some uh, hormones of some sort, there's something wrong. It could be a run. It could be a, a cycle. Um, you know, I wrote my book. I wrote a lot of it sitting in the front of my car, waiting for my daughters to finish their sports because I was kind of hiding in plain sight. There's there's a thing about creativity where, you know, if it's where you're doing your accounting and your expenses, it's not going to work. And I think the one thing I would say to people listening in is that creativity um, uh, is not a talent. It, it's, 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 you're not born with it. It's a way of operating. So, you know, the more you practice creativity, the better it gets. So the more you write, the more you think the more you hone your ideas, the more time you spend at it, the better it will get. And we think that people are born creative. They're not like, you know, people who like, you know, writing a book is like giving birth to a donkey. Like it's hard. And uh, like you have to keep coming back and back and hone. Like nobody wrote, ever wrote anything clean, crisp, amazing the first time. You know, it's, you know, it's it's like, it's you know, as as a you know, as the famous sculptor said, like, how did you make that piece of granite look like an elephant? And he said, I just knocked away everything that didn't look like an elephant. You know, it, <laughs> it takes time. And um, that like it takes it. And, and, and but I suppose it, it is worth it. And like, you know, great products, great engagement, brilliant, you know, uh, you know, brilliant ideas. They take time. And I suppose the, the last thing I'll say in this is creative people are willing to fail. So writers, musicians, um, and in corporate culture, there's, there's a lot of um, people don't want to fail in companies. And you'll see it sometimes, they'll bring in agencies like me, they'll bring in a creative person like me to tell their story because there's nobody in the bandwidth within the company. Uh, and these are big organizations. Um, and one is that they don't believe in it, but also that they don't, don't want to, they don't want to be seen and they'll bring in a consultant because it's okay for a consultant to fail, but they don't want somebody on the payroll to fail. And uh, that's curious to me. And um, like investing in creativity will, will, will pay dividends. And look, I've, I'm, I've been creative all my life. Like the one thing I'm, 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 I've, I've a healthy fear of lots of things running out of ideas, isn't one of them. And that's because I continually invest 
in myself. And to be creative, you have to invest in your body and in your mind. Um, and you have, to, you, have, you, have, you have to do it. You have to, you have to keep practicing. Love it. Jack, this was a great, uh, not way to end it on a high, but I, I feel this is something that will, will be here to stay. And I think it's good for people to, to keep as one of the final notes. Uh, before we wrap up, because uh, I know it's getting a bit late and the ocean is waiting out there, but um, we didn't touch so much on your company. And I think there was a lot of, uh, you know, juice that we could discuss there as well. So just um, maybe a little intro uh, or a bit more details on it for the audience, for the people that are running marketing departments and they may need to or they are looking at ways that they can leverage PR better. Uh, if you can, please um, share a bit about who your clients are at the moment and how they may be able to use the platform best. Uh, we'll have links to it in the description as well. So guys, if you're interested, you can check it out. Uh, but Jack, just to hear it from you. Yeah, so I suppose, look, there's two things I'll talk about. One is um, Media HQ and the other is my storytelling agency, All Good Tales. Um, yep. Media HQ is a SaaS platform that helps brands uh, share press releases and pitches with journalists. And um, if you need to get a press release out or you need to tell your story via uh, the media, Um, and and we, we traditionally work with uh, in-house communications teams, with PR agencies and with independent PR professionals. They're our, our key target verticals. And the way people use us, um, we're database with thousands and thousands of media contacts. And you log in, you build lists for your key audiences and you distribute press releases uh, and pitches through, through the platform. Um, and as I said, look, our key verticals are in-house Uh, agencies and 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 loan PR practitioners. We went on an international expansion in 2018. Um, we are now represented in the media in Ireland and in the UK. And mm -hmm. as we speak, we're working on a number of projects across Europe um, to roll out in other European countries, um, par par partnering with other partners on, on the European content uh, continent to do that. Um, and then on the other side, um, and this is linked in my book, work with the book um i run an agency called all good tales t-a-l-e-s um, and we do magic so so what's in the book which is um the magic slice um we are we, we are brought in as a team into brands to find their magic slice so that they can execute stories um, and we would work with senior management teams and we would bring them through the six-step process that's outlined in the magic slice book Um, to help them have clarity and how they can put stories at the heart of what they do. The first step is to identify their magic slice. And the second step then is to put a plan in place and how to implement it. And implementing it can be everything from website copy, building brand newsrooms, you know, stories around how you're going to hire better, how you're going to raise fund, funding, pitch decks, um, all of that, and kind of creating story cultures within organizations. So people who are doing work really well, but know they're missing out on opportunities because they haven't captured it properly um, in a story. Um, so that, yeah, they're the two offerings. One is Media HQ, which is a SaaS, SaaS platform, and people can read about it on mediahq.com. And uh, for All Good Tales, then if they go to allgoodtales.com, um, or Mur my writing website is murraystory.com, and they'll find me on Twitter as Media Murray, or connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Perfect. So guys, you have links to all this in the description of this episode if you are viewing it on YouTube. Uh, if not, it should be in the episode transcript. Um, or as mentioned by uh, Jack, you can follow his uh, LinkedIn profile or Twitter or 
you know, navigate from here. But we'll try to make everything as accessible as possible. Um, Jack, without further ado, uh, it, it, oh, Andre, let's cut this. So Jack, um, it was a great pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, very insightful chat as well. Uh, thank you again for sharing all the insights. Guys, if you want to read the full book, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, Jack, congrats again for being a best-selling author there in three categories in such a short time. And um, without further, you know, until the next time, um, feel free to share any feedback that you have with us. Jack, if you're up for it, sometimes we get uh, questions from audience that can become episodes in themselves. So if you're up to uh, maybe following up on our conversation today with another episode, maybe focused around PR or any feedback that we get from our listeners, uh, maybe we can organize. And um, I'd love that, chat. Awesome. Uh, and until next time, guys, as always, thank you for tuning in today. Um, thank you for sticking around. Hopefully you found uh, this episode insightful with some nice uh, takeaways that you can implement in your business or review as we were talking about the mission values and how these are being translated into your stories. Um, feel free to connect with Jack. Feel free to share your feedback. And until next time, wishing you all the very best of success. Speak soon. Thank you, Jack, for being here today. Thank you, Andrew.